For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Try to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Fire Carlisle. That's uh, what I've... uh been hearing across twitter um a Not lot tonight i guess yeah. i should say this is the forever mighty post game show but uh it's just pat and eddie tonight guys thanks for tuning in uh, especially if you're tuning in right after watching what uh, we just saw as a debacle on the ice in the last two and a half hours i like that a debacle yeah All it was, right. definitely was um that was tough to watch that was a real tough game to watch ducks fall to the vegas golden knights Five nothing, and it didn't seem competitive after the first period whatsoever. It's a different type of loss for the Ducks because they actually outshot Vegas twenty nine to twenty five, um, and some lines statistically said they were good, but they nobody really looked that good tonight. I think Brandon Montour is maybe the best looking Anaheim Duck, uh, even though I mean Pierre McGuire pointed that out, and I usually like to disagree with him and say he's wrong, but I think he's right in that sense that Montour did look like at least he wanted to be there and he, he was trying to get things going but man it's 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 like it's the calgary minnesota game all over again the positives in the calgary game were erased in the minnesota game the positives from the last game against nashville were completely erased in this game ducks have been embarrassed by vegas twice now been yeah. embarrassed by dallas this is worse than the been than embarrassed the by minnesota um it, it's they were embarrassed by the kings in my opinion in the most recent game, didn't look good against the Kings. Uh, this game, though, I don't know where to begin. So I'm going to go ahead and take a stab at our pregame notes because we have some big things that happened prior to the game today. Uh, biggest news being Cam Fowler on the IR. I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought he took a puck in the mouth, lost some chiclets, and he was, he was going to be back uh, tonight. Unfortunately, he has a facial fracture, orbital bone, cheekbone, and upper jawbone all fractured. 
doesn't look good. Um, no. We can get in more in depth on how that's going to look for them uh, at, the, at the end of this. But he's going to have surgery on Friday. I mean, I'm guessing he's out six to eight weeks minimum. I, I don't see him back any time before well, well, that. How long was Getzloff out? He was out six weeks? About six weeks. Broke his... Yeah, so. It was bad. It was brutal. Um, no, it doesn't look good. No. It, it, no, it absolutely doesn't. Andy Walensky's in, and uh, Sam Carrick were called up. Ease is out on the IR, so another injury here for Anaheim. Um, Ease has been kind of like, uh, along with, with Ryan Kessler, right? Whenever they're injured or don't feel like they can skate through whatever injury he's dealing with, uh, Carlisle's not going to push him, and rightfully so. So, Ducks without the bearded one. Going into this first period, Eddie, ah, man. I just uh, I know one thing I noticed right away was how damn fast Vegas was. They just uh, just just yeah. totally refreshed my memory for how fast this team is. <laughs> they they don't haven't looked at at times this year, and I think because teams kind of know what they're they're bringing to the table, and they're they're kind of a hectic fast team where they just throw everything at you, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, when you're playing a team like the Ducks, who can't really handle faster teams in the league, it works. We've seen it twice this season where both games they've played Vegas. It just, just hasn't looked good. Again, it's a different type of game than last time they played Vegas. Last time they played them, it was they were heavily outshot, and it was kind of what we were used to this year. This one, they kind of sat back a bit, and, and the Ducks couldn't get anything going, even though they outshot them. But it was a different style of game from Vegas, but it was the same outcome. Yeah. I, I don't know, and, and it's not the same Vegas team either. It's a lot of different players, and, and again, like I said, they've all kind of regressed a bit, but to get like, just outclassed again, it, it's such a testament to how broken Randy Carlisle's system is, and you know, the fire... If this was in Honda Center, I'm sure the fire Carlisle chance would be out in full force. Or the Woos. I mean, the Woos were out in force tonight them. in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, that was brutal. I don't know how many Ducks fans are transplants to Vegas to become Vegas fans. Um, you know, I, I say that in jest. Honestly, I know the league has just taken upon itself to, to, to you know, to carry the woo in every place possible. But uh, it, it haunted me as I sat here and watched this game. It was brutal. No, uh, <laughs> somehow <laughs> they they know that you hate it. So yeah, oh yeah, journey its way. Yeah, it, it brought its way over to uh, to T-Mobile Arena. <laughs> Definitely directed towards me. I feel the pain. Um, I thought that uh, the best line that the Ducks had is the one that it should have been. And that was Raquel, Getzloff, and uh, Aberg. I thought they played really well tonight. Um, I don't think they generated anything in uh, in the vicinity of, like, ultra high danger chances, especially five yeah. on five. They did get some chances on the power play they weren't able to convert on. But um, I don't know how you want to break down this game, Eddie. I, I don't really know if it's beneficial to run through each period and go play by play because uh, – it, it's it's it'll be tough to get through <laughs> yeah well and nobody wants to see that either nobody wants to to sit here and talk about the, the ducks getting blown out five nothing i was struggling to find any plays that were positive to put out on twitter to actually have some gifts that i didn't have to go back and record any of the the vegas goals there really wasn't anything i think ryan miller made a, a save where he dove across oh yeah, across hit him in the head with his mask that was that was it. There's a couple chances. I think Andre Cash had a decent chance and a couple scrambles in front of the net. But he had a really good game. Anything. He had a really he good did. game. And, and, he did. and like I was saying, so did Ricard Raquel. I thought they played really well. Hampus Lindholm also had a really good game. Um, you could say Montour was involved in the play a lot. Uh, I guess uh, if you want to pick on a defenseman who didn't have a good game, you could take a look at Josh Manson, who I feel just hasn't had a real good start to the season. Uh, we're 20 games in now, so take what you will with that. But uh, he, he had a tough game. He got beat a lot uh, defensively and was cut out of position. But uh, what do you, what'd you think about Randy Carlisle deciding to uh, to yank John Gibson after it became 3 nothing? Oh, man. I, I think it's just a pity at, at that point because it's not like he was playing bad. But uh, it was almost like they, you're trying to spark something, maybe trying to get things going. Obviously, they're not playing in front of them. And, and maybe you've seen it before. You have a goalie change and, and somehow it picks the team up and they start playing better. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. But I think it, it's you know a courtesy to him to get him out of there and not have to. It, obviously, they looked like things weren't going well. And you don't want to demoralize him by keeping him in there. And, and they just keep shelling him. He was getting no help on, on a lot of those plays. It was two on one or a guy missing an assignment something we've seen pretty much all year so 
I, I think it's a courtesy to John Gibson to get him out of there at that point. And again, maybe also trying to spark the team, but it didn't end up working. Yo, I would agree with that. I don't, I don't really think that uh, you can blame John Gibson for anything that went in against him tonight. Um, or Miller for that matter. Uh, I don't think you could fault him for what happened. Um, no. Mark Andre Fleury was good when he had to be, but he had a few good saves. Honestly, he had a few good saves on the Ducks, but uh, they didn't challenge him enough. Uh, especially, you look at the shots on goal, it's just not really indicative of where those shots were taken, right? Or, yeah. or the, the amount of danger associated with those. Um, how did you feel about uh, looking at this game right now? Did you feel the play of of uh, Brandon Montour's uh, upping his trade value <laughs> with all the rumors? <laughs> I, I yeah maybe, but I, now with Cam Fowler being out for we don't know how long. I, I guess we're kind of speculating, thinking six to eight weeks, but it could be less. It could be more. Doesn't matter. He's out for at least a month, I would think. No way they move Brandon Montour now, uh, even if they were considering it before. You, you move him now, you're stuck. You're left with. Lindholm and Manson, Pedersen, Walensky, Larson, and either Shen or Schuster. That's uh, you go from having a, one of the better young defense cores to just having a, a really, really poor, probably one of the worst in the division. If you do that, uh, even Friedman said that their Ducks are now looking to trade for a defenseman. So, very I, strange. I don't know. Very he, strange. I think if you want to say it that way, sure, he's upping his trade value by playing better. But there's no way the Ducks move him now, especially with Fowler out. No, you can't. I mean, you can't really move a, a top four guy with uh, with Fowler being out that long. So who do they? Before we get to that, because I know that you and I could talk for a long time about one of your favorite players that didn't get put on the Ducks. I think Ian Cole plays for Pittsburgh right now, or did he go to Columbus? Yeah. Is he at Pittsburgh? Uh, I think he's. I think he's on Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, oh, wait, so no. now are you are no, you no, hoping? No, 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 he's on. He's on Colorado. That's on Colorado. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, like, oh man, for so, I know you used to that. play for Pittsburgh, so I got all excited yeah. for you. He played for both of them, but. Uh, the contract he's on is ridiculous. There's no way that, that happens. I looked at <laughs> oh, Pittsburgh. Oh, you don't think too. Bobby's going to give somebody a contract or, or you know accept a contract? No, but he'll give somebody the contract. He won't take on a contract <laughs> like that. Um, I see. I was looking at Pittsburgh's deed too. I don't even know why they would want to trade one at this point, they, or who they would give up. You know, I don't think they've given up on Oli Mata. That would probably be the only one I'd be interested in. Not a huge fan of, of Dumoulin. Obviously, Latang is, is staying in Pittsburgh. It wouldn't make sense for the Ducks to go after him. Uh, I, I really don't know what they would be looking for. And and then with Fowler out, you would assume it'd be a left shot, right? I guess. But no. you still have Pet- you have Pedersen and Larson, so maybe it, maybe it's a righty. I, but then you have Montour, Walensky, and, and Manson, Shannon, Schuster. So I, at this point, I don't know why they really need to go out and get a defenseman. But from Pittsburgh, I don't really know who it would be. I mean, yeah, at that point, I'm surprised they're even looking at Pittsburgh to grab a defenseman. But uh, did you – Did you, I want to get to that a little bit later because there's a lot of avenues we could go with this because that talk has not died with the Ducks moving a defenseman. I know I brought it up, but I want to scoot that off for a second here because this this uh, this Ducks defensive core that we've all loved so much and has been so much praise for the past several years – isn't it strange to watch them get beat on purposeful dump plays by the opposition? <sighs> that yeah. has got to be a coaching thing, right? I mean, e- either they're not they're not in position correctly, but how many times did we watch Vegas get to the red line and dump pass the puck to the corner so someone like Alex Tuck or Nosek or somebody was able to beat a defender down to the bottom of the net and create a chance? That's embarrassing that they're able to get a dump play and outrace an icing. I don't understand what's going on here on with this with this Ducks defense. Um, it it just it, to me all signs point to to uh, coaching staff. Well, it's just different trends. It's that and different things that are that are happening. I was on Cody Eakin's second goal of the game, so Vegas's fourth goal. The shorthander. Where, yeah, where Lindholm breaks his stick. Fine, he, he can't get back, but somebody goes to the bench. Whoever his partner. I think it was Lindholm that went to the it. bench. But there was a whoever his defense partner was. Mm. Somebody went to go for a change, or something, because Silverberg's the only man back, and somebody either goes to the change. It could have been Lindholm, but it looked like it was somebody else. But either way, no other defenseman there covering for Hampus Lindholm. It's not like it was a stretch pass. I don't even no. think um, 
I think it might have been Alex Tuck who got it out to Cody Eakin. I don't think they even thought they were going to get a breakaway. But then all of a sudden, Cody Eakin is just in tons of space because um, nobody's there covering for Hampus Lindholm. It's a tough play, but again, nobody's there. Uh, the second defenseman's not there. On um, uh, It would have been Heike's goal, I believe it was. Uh, nobody is covering him coming into the point. Uh, th- there's a rush, and then he comes into the slot. Oh, no, sorry, it's Nosek's goal. Nosek is, is alone. He comes in. Gibbons is the, the man who's supposed to be covering him, and you watch him come in behind. Thomas Nosek, so he was either puck watching or something, doesn't pick him up, and that's a free tap-in for Nosek into an open net. Just these types of plays where, where guys are missing assignments or just not covering a guy in the first place, and we've seen it at least once or twice every game. Where was the Ducks' defense when uh, Adam Henrique was all alone in front of that and tapped it in? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunate play for him. I know. It is. I know. If he doesn't hit that, it's a goal anyway. It's yeah, it's, it's goal. yeah. He's just gonna tap that in. There's 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 oh, no, no way around that. Who do you Mark blame, do you blame on that goal? Because it's kind of a great play by William Carlson to let it go through his legs. But if you're the man covering him, I think it was Montour. You've got to get a stick on that or something. You got to. It's rolling off the ice. It's not like it's bouncing. Like you got to see it, and maybe you expect. Carlson's going to bring it into his feet and or or it's going to hit him or something. So again, it is kind of a good fake by Carlson, but you got to do something. You got to do better on that play. It's pretty much every play we've seen uh, that's led to a goal for the Ducks, especially in this game. They have to do better. There's little things they could do better that maybe it won't prevent the goal, but it would make it a little bit more difficult. Oh, and honestly, I'd be okay with that one if it would if if Marchessault would have tapped that answer. You can't stop every play every game. So yeah. That one wasn't as disappointing as the others. A, a shorthanded goal to me is always lazy. Uh, at least ninety nine out of a hundred times, it's a lazy goal. Uh, you got you have to be stronger on the power play. Like Gordon Bombay said, do better. That's that's how I felt yeah. about, about any, anything. Anytime you give up a shorthanded goal, you got to do better than that. You can't be giving those up. Um, and then the, the just speed just burned Anaheim all night tonight. Vegas is able to create off the rush. Uh, I think the highlight offensively for the Ducks was their power play. I mean, they couldn't score, but that was the most dangerous they've looked uh, that I've seen. Somehow Vegas made their power play look good. Well, I mean, it should be, right? <laughs> you've, you've, got, you've got a man up on the other team. It, it should look good, but uh, it looked okay. I don't want to say it, it was the best thing they did all night, but they couldn't get anything going at 5-on-5. Five five. I think you're no. right with that, that. There was literally nothing going for them 5-on-5 five five other than a couple plays. But uh, We mentioned earlier Andre Cash and Ricardo Raquel stood out in a couple plays, but uh, the power play was the only thing they could really get going because they had that man advantage, and you're, you're supposed to make yourself look a little bit better on that play, but it's not like they're outstanding, and of course they don't score a goal, so it really doesn't matter how good you look on the power play if you can't finish on it. And we've seen that from the Ducks all year. They have a bottom third power play in the league, so that really isn't getting any better. We talked about it in the game against Nashville the game before that, where the Ducks were getting good looks on the power play, but they weren't scoring. I mean, you could have the best-looking power play in the league. It doesn't mean anything if you can't score any goals. No, it's true. Um, I guess a bright spot for Randy Carlisle is that he paired Lindholm and Montour together tonight. If we want to talk about bright spots, if, if not the power play, I, I think having Cam Fowler forced his uh, out forced his hand, obviously. But uh, good to see him. Both those guys not paired with the youngsters. No, but we still don't get to see Lindholm and Manson together. It still isn't happening, no matter what. No matter who's out of the lineup, you could probably have Montour and Fowler out of the lineup, and we still won't see Lindholm and Manson together. I don't know what it's going to take to get those two back together at some point. God knows were, Manson needs it right now. Without I, he's been I just playing. don't get it, man. I don't get it. They were one of the best pairings in the entire league going back to just last season and before that. You would see them on list with, with some of the best pairings like Giordano and Brody. And you would look at John Klingberg and uh, Mark Mathot when he was there. Mark Mathot when he was with with uh, Eric Carlson or Drew Doughty and Jake Muzzin. You would see them among those guys of some of the best pairings in the entire league. And then all of a sudden we go into this season, nothing had happened. They're, they're, it's not like they played awful last year. And then they're just split apart. I don't get it. And they're still not going back together. And we still have no idea if this is Carlisle or Wilford or whatever, but it's ridiculous that they haven't even tried to explore putting them together. I mean, Manson played 16 minutes tonight with Larson. Um, I think Manson played more than 16 minutes, but that was his defensive partner tonight. He just, I don't know, he didn't look good tonight at all. Uh, they need no. to find a way to get that pairing back together. 
Josh in our chat says, uh, with Manson playing how he is, is Lindholm Manson pairing really a good idea? I mean, why not? It, it was like you just said, one of the best pairings uh, across the NHL uh, in recent history, and the and the Ducks um, could really use you know tightening that back up and you know putting them back together to see what happens. Yeah, we got Vegas Golden Knight coverage coming into gloat in our uh, in our YouTube chat. <laughs> Good game, guys. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know about that. I yeah, don't know. Welcome, Vegas fan. Yeah, good yeah. game. <laughs> uh, beating yeah, up, beating I, I up the kid. Take, the little man. kid, right? The Ducks are the little yeah. kid on campus is getting picked on right now across the league. Uh, <sighs> let's go ahead and scoot this down a little bit. Um, I want to talk to you about um, who – is the Ducks' prime target uh, to trade right now? I mean, throw out the rumors of uh, of the defensive conversations going on right now. If you were trying to figure this out, is is trading Jacob Silverberg probably the best option? I I think so because you're probably not going to resign him, so you have to trade him at some point. It, it all depends on when you think you're going to get the best return. The trade deadline is still probably the best time for them to trade him. That's when you're going to get the most for the guy, unless the team is really desperate right now. And I, I don't see any team being that desperate. Um, you know, Silverberg hasn't played as well since he did at the beginning of the season. But even if he can somewhat continue that pace and, and have some decent numbers at the deadline, he'll be one of the more sought-after players that is an, an elite player like Artemi Panarin or, or some of those guys who might be available. So I think that's a deadline move one for sure. Um, if you can get... I, I, this is stretching a bit, but if you can get a first-round pick for him, then you you move him for sure. Even if it's a late first-round pick, it's still a first-round pick. Then you've got two, and you can kind of work something out with that. Maybe you move up, or maybe you just take two picks in the first round. Whatever it is, I think he has to be the most likely guy to get moved on. Because um, right now, with Fowler out, there's no way they move a defenseman. They they can't. They just they can't with the guys. That, they would have to embrace the uh, the tank if they do that. Yeah, and, and we, that's been mentioned as yeah. well. I've seen that out there. Um, I kind of wanted to bring this all back to to trades and to how to improve the team because I feel like talking about this game more is just going to you know bum everybody out after a five zero loss. So let's get to the trades, uh, what we could possibly see. It's always fun to speculate uh, how this is going to work. Everyone likes playing armchair GM. Uh, Jacob Silverberg is a good trade commodity. I feel like he's he hasn't had a, a bad season, so. I feel that uh, his age and his cap hit that he's probably going to be grabbing for isn't in the Ducks' wheelhouse right now. I mean, right? I don't think they're they're going to be able to afford to keep him and then still be able to improve the team. So, unfortunately, he's probably going to be the guy who's going to have to go. And like you said, trade deadline is probably the best. Gives him time to pick up some speed uh, with stats. But what about the guy that we've been talking about trading and we've always said we don't really think he's going to fetch a lot, but what about moving, I don't know, a Nick Ritchie? Is that something that uh, you could see Carlisle pairing off with somebody? I know that was mentioned. Um, I think it was Nick Kiprios had suggested the trade for Nylander would be Montour and Richie, which I find really puzzling. I would do that in a heartbeat. Wouldn't, if, yeah, if, right? If, yeah, if you don't do that, uh, <laughs> if, if that happens, Kyle Dubas uh, is not showing up for the Leafs, really. And if uh, if Bob Murray is able to pull that off, it looks great. Um I, again, I, I thought it was interesting to see that in the first place. And that's all speculation for him. That's not him hearing anything. That's just a deal he thought would be good. Um, but now it's definitely not It's not plausible uh, with Brandon Montour being in that mix. But Nick, Nick Ritchie's possibly a guy that they could move. I'm not sure how many teams would want him at this point. And, he and hasn't again, really lit the world right. on fire since he's come back. No. No, he'd be a filler, right? He would have to be a filler to another trade, or you trade him and you're just getting picks back at that point. Or maybe you trade him for another struggling player. Um, A guy we brought up before who's definitely not going to happen now, but Jake Vertanen in Vancouver was a guy we brought up at the beginning of the season and last year. Like If you wanted to do a one-for-one swap of struggling players, that would be the type of deal. Mm -hmm. Of course, now Vertanen's doing great for them he's got i think eight goals in, in his first few games with vancouver so of course uh yeah of course so he's doing well but that that's the type of trade i could see if you wanted to get rid of nick ritchie but i'm not sure how much the ducks are, are wanting to do that especially after signing him to a, a contract and it took a while to get him signed I, I don't think they'd be so eager to want to move on from him yet so honestly the, the only thing i could see happening with this team if they don't go out and acquire a player 
and maybe do a one-for-one -one swap that way, and it's surprising people. I think Jakob Silverberg's the option, and maybe that's the guy we see get moved for a defenseman, which I, I wouldn't like at all, honestly, because who, unless it's like Olimata, if you're, if you're looking at Pittsburgh, unless you're bringing in a youngish defenseman who can maybe get a little bit better, but if you're doing a, a strict one-for-one -one swap for a, a guy who's like 28, 29, 30, and you're just filling in until Cam Fowler gets back, that's a horrible trade because then you're not getting anything out of it long term. Yeah, no value. Um yeah. it would it would probably be I would think for a forward. I mean, whether or not that's Nylander, which I don't think it's going to be. Every Ducks fan is uh just jumping at the opportunity to to give their hopes up to that, but it's not going to happen. Bob's not going to be able to sign him. He's going to want 7 million dollars and you know, Bobby doesn't have that uh that uh that moveability in his uh, in his pocketbook. I don't think he can create that kind of space. Um, and another another name I heard tossed around online was Panarin, which would floor me yeah, if the right. Ducks were able to catch Panarin because Panarin's going to get nine million dollars. It's just not going to happen. Um, I don't really know how you go about fixing this team. I think it starts with the head coach, as we've all talked about um, numerous times this season. It's got to start with Randy Carlisle being let go. Um, and whether that means Dallas Eakins gets moved into the role as the interim, I mean, Jeff Merrick has said it best. Every coach in the NHL is an interim coach. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, eventually you're that guy. Um, yeah. the idea we've talked about Quinville coming here is not going to happen. I mean, yeah, sure. He makes $6 million on the books, but Carlo's not going to give him anything close. So I, I think you, you first, you have to start with Randy Carlisle. You have to shake it up by getting rid of the coach, get a new voice in that locker room, a new leader uh, for the team, and then uh, you start with the roster, come trade deadline, and you st you try to make the best moves you possibly can. I mean, I, I don't think they have the ability to fold it and call it a day and go for Jack Hughes, right? They're, they're going to look to retool on the fly here and stay competitive. They're not that bad to be able to, to do that, I think long term because they can pull out games like they did against Nashville because they have the quality to do that where they're still competitive against some of the better teams in the National Hockey League it's just the consistency isn't there and then you get games like this against Vegas or like you did against Minnesota um, so they're going to be able to win games and they're going to be probably a team that's going to be finished around close to 500 I think I don't think they're going to finish in the bottom five in the league um, I, I think there are some teams just roster if you look at the, the roster construction I think there are some teams that are significantly worse than them I think eventually Vancouver is going to regress a bit I don't think who they have um, is necessarily going to keep them up at the pace they're at right now you look at Detroit maybe even Florida which was a bit a little bit of a surprise uh, there's definitely other teams I think are worse than the Ducks so I, I, it's not plausible to say they're going to tank for for jack hughes it, but you don't be in a position where they they could win the lottery to get him it would be very lucky of course you'd be looking at like uh, uh what dallas did when they moved up or when new, new jersey moved up or sorry, sorry when carolina moved up as well you were probably not moving into first but you'll be in that uh you know that five to ten range is where i think the ducks could finish at this point uh, the way they've been playing but um when you got Gatslaff, when you got Kessler, Henrique, you got Lindholm, you, John Gibson even is, is is probably the main reason why I don't think the Ducks are going to finish that far down because you, you're still going to be able to compete on, on a semi-nightly basis against some of the better teams. You have a few stinkers every year. I think uh, somebody in the NIM organization has said that. And, yeah, uh... Andy Carlisle <laughs> on, on, on multiple occasions. Uh, it's been more than a few this year. So now we've, we've got over the trade talk with Anaheim. Um, I don't want to talk about that too much more just because we've talked about it the past few shows. And yeah. there's really nothing hot cooking anywhere that's showing that uh, anyone's coming to, to the Ducks. But the Kings made a trade, uh, a very curious one. Yeah. Um, they traded Tanner Pearson, 26-year-old uh, forward, who I think he had 24 goals two years ago, uh, yeah. to a uh, – a fast or to a faster player, right? With Carl Hagelin, a little bit older at thirty, but uh, Pearson, I didn't realize how bad of a year he was having. He had one assist all season so far in seventeen games. I think Hagelin has three points right now. What do you feel about that trade? It, it was interesting because um, it looks like they're just trying to get out from under Tanner Pearson's contract and maybe work some things out later because they're in a in, in a really difficult position 
with some of the contracts that they have signed so that anytime they can possibly shed a deal at the end of the year because i believe carl Hagelin is a ufa yeah he's, in, he's on the last year so he's on his last year so that that's essentially cap dump they're going to get rid of carl Hagelin at the end of the year um and they save some money there that they can maybe use somewhere else or, or just have that flexibility uh down the road but uh it's a difficult situation for them to be in because you you look at obviously as a Kopitar signed a big deal drew Doughty signed a big deal jeff carter's making a lot of money you signed either uh, kovalchuk for three years i believe Ooh. so 18 million dollars yeah, you, know, I mean, you got a lot of guys making a lot of money when you have the chance uh, when you're not having a good season and a guy's not having a good season and you have the chance to to move on from him and get out from under that salary it, it sort of makes sense but i i'm surprised because tanner pearson i think is a guy who could be you know a 15 to 20 goal scorer pretty much every season he was just having a bad year this year but so is everybody uh in la so uh, I'm a bit surprised by it, but when you're in such a tight cap squeeze like the the Kings are, you've got to make those difficult decisions sometimes. I mean, it just it essentially flipped them for a pick because they're probably going to move Haglin anyway. Probably, Haglin's not yeah. staying on this team long term. He's going to hit the somebody deadline. And they're going to flip him somewhere, of course. Yeah, somebody yeah, will. Somebody always so, does. for sure. He's yeah. like the Thomas Vanek now. <laughs> yeah, the guy who gets moved every trade deadline. He's going to be that guy. Yeah. Where is Vanek? <laughs> yeah, is he, he playing is this year? Uh, yeah, he's in Detroit. Oh, yeah, yeah, they'll, they're going to flip him too, so. Yeah, he'll probably come to Anaheim at some point, right? Yeah. He's or still, he's, he's injured right now, so for the Red Wings, he's not currently playing, but, uh, oh. he does have a contract and is on a team. Um, do you kind to, uh, do you kind of want to, uh, talk a little bit about NHL stuff before we get to some questions? Do you want to hop to the questions? What do you want to do? It's kind of a free-flowing show today, man. big? Yeah, because no, we don't want to talk about the game, so it's kind of... I don't think there's anything really going on. Oh, well, the uh, what was the thing? The Bill Daly said that uh, it's inevitable that the NHL is eventually going to have teams in Europe. Yeah, right. How do you feel about that? He's crazy. I don't know how they're going to make that work or how the players are going to think that's okay. I mean, what are they going to take two weeks off to travel to Europe and, and play a stretch of games there, right? They're going to be out of yeah. the United States and do that. The travel cost. This, this league that wants money so bad in every corner of every single house, they could finally or find a way to, to take more cash out of you as an NHL fan. They will. I don't know how they're going to be able to do that. The thing that doesn't make sense with it, too, is he said the only way they can do it is they're going to have to have multiple teams coming at the same time in Europe. So they're going to have to have like four to six different teams so that they can kind of play each other for a little bit so they don't have to keep going back and forth, or if not more than that. Because you would have to. You would have to have a, a almost a division full of them, right? So you would probably have to have like six to eight of them so that they could all play each other for a long period of time and then go on a road trip. That's insanity. That's, that's the only way it would work. That, I, that, you can't have one or two. Because you're going to have a 40-team league? Yeah, it would be insane. I, I don't think it would work. I don't. But with him saying it's inevitable, like, or what are you, taking six teams out of, of – out uh, of the U.S. or maybe somewhere to Canada and just swapping them over to Europe. I don't think that's going to work. They should take I, like, all the listen, teams out of Canada and move them to Europe. Money wise, probably would work if depending <laughs> on the market you go to, right? Like if you if you put a team in Sweden, it's probably going to do well. If you put a team in Finland, it's probably going to do well. I I don't I don't doubt that they're they're hockey countries, but. It gets into a, an area of, of do you add six to eight more teams no, to the league at some crazy. point? Crazy. And what what's that going to look like? That's going to because you like like you said you're going to have to do that all at once. How do you do that? How do you introduce six new teams to the league without making a chaos all at once? And then I also having to do that travel because teams are going to have to travel over there and then to a road trip type of like a six game road trip over there that the schedule's going to be all thrown the out time differences all that stuff he, they're crazy there's no way they're able to make that work he's well, he's just blowing smoke the time difference for for where the ducks play so in pacific time zone to sweden is nine hours so that makes no sense to me yeah i don't think they're going to do it i think he's just he's just he's just yapping there's no way but he says it's inevitable so i don't know I mean, sure, he knows more than we do, but I, they can't even figure out how to get another team in the division to balance out the divisions, right? I mean, they haven't committed to anything. And we all know Seattle's kind of like a foregone conclusion at this point, but they won't even admit that. And, I mean, and how how soon is inevitable? I think that's crazy. Um, 
Let's hop into the questions, man. Do you want to start on Twitter? Do you want to start on Facebook? Oh man, we had a lot today, which was surprising. Uh, we'll start on you know we'll start on Instagram because no I've one's happy. That. No, no one's happy. So uh, questions all over the place. Uh, Jimmy asked, "When is Josh Mahura going to get his shot?" Well, it's um, a great question. I, I don't honestly know if he's going to this season. I think they already would have brought him up. I think that, uh, you know, having Larson up here and Walensky's kind of a known quantity. Patterson obviously has made his, uh, you know, his home here in Anaheim now. I don't think he's going anywhere anymore. Um, I don't think you're going to see Mahara this season. Unless yeah, you look at catastrophic injuries, which we don't want to even see. With, even with Cam Fowler out right now, you don't think they – I don't think they do either, but you, do you think they maybe give him a, a shot or – call somebody up to, to fill that hole if they can't make a trade work? No, they just went on and got Schuster and Shen, right? <laughs> They're going to yeah. rotate those guys. True, yeah. Those guys could come back up. You're right. I think they'd rather do that. They're going to bring NHLers up. I think having a roster full of kids would make uh, Randy, Car- Randy Carlisle and Bob Murray very uncomfortable, especially on D. And, and, you're, and you're looking at bringing in a guy with no NHL experience. I don't think they would do that right now, unless the whole season goes to hell. And they're like, F it. Let's just bring him up and see what happens. I would still love to see him. I, I think he would bring something to this lineup. Not sure how ready he is um, from what he, he's done in San Diego. He's looked okay. He's looked pretty good. But I don't think it actually shows that he's NHL ready. But at least a couple games would be would be nice, especially when you look at Pedersen and Walensky and even Jakob Larson. They haven't really amazed us, I don't think. So bringing him up and, and maybe switching that out would be an option they have down the road. Um, if when Cam Fowler's out, if, if let's say he's out for six to eight weeks, if things start getting pretty bad there and obviously Larson and Pedersen are struggling, then maybe you go that option. But from what is being reported, it looks like the Ducks are looking to add a defenseman, so that's probably not an option. Yeah, I, I, they're, they're, they're going to bring in a known quantity. That's always the way. And I don't blame them for that, honestly. You you want you don't want to rush any of your young guys up in there. Um, so I, I don't think you're going to see Mahara. No, I don't think so. Um, Jimmy, again, he wants to know who's worse, Allers or Pierre? Oh, Christ. Uh, I heard Pierre, Pierre. I heard somebody on the broadcast, they said, uh, they said Whirling Dervish. And I was like, oh, It's Pierre. It was Pierre. Was it Pierre? Yeah. yeah, I lodged that one away. Oh, yeah. I was like, God, man, he's been hanging out with Allers. Like, what's up with that, man? Uh, that's a tough one, Jimmy. How dare you? Uh, I would rather. I would, I would go. I would it's go say. Tough. I would say Allers is worse than Pierre Maguire. No way, man. Pierre. Pierre came out. Did you hear? He came out with the grit thing today. Or he was talking At about least grit and art. Pierre has like fun on the broadcast and has like a wealth of of like Jeopardy knowledge. And by that, I mean useless information stored in his head that nobody cares about. But at least he has yeah, that, and you know what's coming. Yeah, I guess, he's got his little niche, right? I I, I don't, don't I don't mind that. him. I don't mind him as much. I think he's I think he's terrible, but he's he's definitely not he's definitely not worse than Hayward or than uh, Allers. I think he is. He has too much energy, especially tonight. He was <laughs> too, <on> too much <laughs> energy. Well, did he you see the Vegas pregame tonight. show? How much energy no. that crowd got into? How many people were at they that get, game? They get pumped up for those. And oh, dude, was, they're not even that. I don't like them. Yeah, you, you like and them, everyone right? else doesn't like them. I like them. Whatever. I don't know. We don't need to get into that right now. I'm not going to get into that. (laughs) I'm sure this will be on a rant show for our Patreon people. Yeah, Jason will pick it up and put it on there. Um, So Jared Jared wants to know, could the loss of Corey Perry be the issue? No, not at all. I don't think anything Corey Perry is going to bring to this team is anything that's going to change the tide. Uh, He would just be sitting around doing what he normally does, racking up 10 goals this season and maybe 20 assists, 25 assists, 35, 40 points. Yeah, uh, it's it's like bringing it back Andre Cash into the lineup. It it didn't do a ton for this team, obviously. So bringing in Corey Perry isn't going to do a lot. It makes them better for sure. It gives them some more options, but it doesn't change anything. They're still going to play the same way. It's not like Corey Perry comes in and, and changes the the fabric of the way they play. I get the question. I understand it because uh, Corey Perry is a is a good player. So bringing him into the lineup is obviously going to change a little bit. But there's no way uh, he makes it better. Um, Paula asks, is this the worst game by far? That's a tough one. Uh, I think the worst game I've watched this season was Dallas. Because the Ducks yeah. actually had a lead and then blew Minnesota it all. Was bad. 
Yeah, that was bad. I, I didn't see a ton of it. So, and thankfully, I didn't see a ton of it. Uh, this one's this one's right there, but I would say Dallas was the worst one for me when they were in in Dallas and they had a lead and blew the entire lead. Yeah, no, I, I it's that one or it's it's Minnesota for me. I I think those are pretty close. This one's not that great either, um, but I, I those two were just really bad because they got outshot like ridiculously in that game and oh. they had nothing going at all. So. No. Yeah, so it, it's up there. It's up there, but it's definitely I don't think it's the worst one. Um, Kent wants to know: Is this the game that finally cost Carlisle his job? Ah, no, it's not. It's not the one. It's, it's, it's. They're going to come home and play Toronto on Friday. I mean, if you're going to see piss poor performance after piss poor performance for after this game, then I, I still think there's a chance around Thanksgiving he's gone, but not this game. Not on the road. Not without Cam Fowler. It's not going to happen. The the weights are so in favor on the scale for Randy Carlisle to keep his job right now just because of all the injuries that keep happening. It's insane how this has gone on in Anaheim for like four years now. Yeah. No, I, I don't think I don't think it's the game because I've already said that a couple times this year. The Kings game was one time. Uh, Minnesota, I even kind of thought after that it was going to be over. So... I, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I think he's probably here for for most of the year, unless they go on just a ridiculous losing streak and get they get to the point where he gives Randy Carlisle no choice. But I think at this point we would think that Randy Carlisle or uh, that Bob Murray, sorry, would have no choice. Uh, but it seems to not have got to that point yet. So it would have to get just ridiculously bad, I think, for them to move him at this point. I mean, I think we both agree that he should have probably already been moved. And in most circumstances with any other coach or any other general manager, I think he would be out or any other circumstance. I'm surprised he's still here, to be honest. No, I am too. Uh, did, did you see the uh, the question on, on Instagram for Wild Wing? He messaged us. He said uh, uh, he was going to ask our thoughts on the Pedersen-Wilinski line stats-wise for the night, but Wilinski just took a penalty so they won't be together long. <laughs> That's what he said. But he also, he also wrote, uh, thoughts on cautious play in his second game back. I think he's been fantastic. He's just, the puck hasn't so. gone in form. He's been really good. He's, he's an energy guy, right? I, I mean, he always, he always plays at a high level and he's all, every time he's on the ice, every shift he has, uh, he's given it his all you can tell. So I, I thought he was good. He had a couple chances. He was probably one of the better ducks forwards. Him and Ricardo Raquel, I think were pretty good. Uh, but again, they, they didn't get anything done. So it's hard to praise anybody up front. Yeah. They might've looked good, every now and then but when nobody's getting anything done offensively it, it's hard to really give anybody any praise nico was rad asks on instagram what does the team need to do to improve and why is it fire randy carlisle no one's asked that and why is it for yeah randy carlisle? no one's asked that question i i think that's a good one because we've all said it fire carlisle he's the problem he's the problem so how do we repair the team and why is it why do we have to fire randy carlisle to do it well, because Randy Carlisle's system is is probably the fundamental reason why this team's play is so bad. There's obviously more than just that, but I think that is the main reason. It's it's kind of what we've seen. We we know on paper the talent on this team is a little bit better, and there's other guys you can blame and guys who haven't really got things going. Uh, a lot of inconsistent play from Ricard Raquel, I think, is one of them. Um, the the blue line has been awful. But again, it, it's we haven't seen them put together pairings that had worked last year, and and that that won't fix things. But it would be at least an option to try and see if things do get better. Um, and again, that comes down to coaching. I, I I don't really know what else you can say other than coaching on why this team's playing the way they are. There there are some players who are underperforming, but the system that the Ducks play, uh, it's continually victimized by by other teams it was against vegas it was against minnesota it was against dallas when we talked about it before uh, the ducks up until a few games ago were giving up 40 plus shots a game pretty much so you can't really blame that on, on too many other people than the the coaching staff and the system that randy carlisle has in place yeah and I, we all weren't big fans i uh, say we all meaning you jason and i about randy carlisle coming back to anaheim to begin with after they fired bruce boudreaux so it's just uh, I like the comments over the summer. I, I think about them all the time. We're going to play a faster game. We're going to play fast. Uh, yeah. You don't that doesn't necessarily totally mean skating fast, but it means yeah. moving the puck quickly and not holding on to it. 
And if guys don't want to play fast, then uh, we'll have to make way for guys who do. Well, I haven't seen that, Randy or Bob, so let's figure that out. That's why we appreciate the question, but uh, that's definitely why we're looking at a uh, hopefully a soon-to-be uh, new head coach in Anaheim. Yeah, well, we'll see. We've we've waited for that pretty much all season so far, even the playoffs last year. Uh, Tabernak on Twitter asked, will the hockey guards ever look favorably upon Larson, Walensky, Gibbons, or Kosala? I want them to do so well, but it's like do something because they really haven't done anything so far. No, they really haven't. Um, I don't really want to say anything about Kosala. I haven't seen him a lot. I don't watch a lot of goals games. Um, I think Larson's playing better than he did when he first came up, so that's a good sign. Um, And Gibbons... I don't know, man. I feel like he's an on and off kind of guy, right? Either he's got a ton of energy on that on that bottom six, or uh, he's just somebody you don't notice on the ice. But that's okay. That's just kind of a, he's yeah. a role player. I think we're expecting what uh, we saw from Gibbons in New Jersey. If you watched him play there last year, and that's again, I think it's expecting too much. It's like expecting what you saw from Patrick Eves uh, when he was playing in Dallas. Mm-hmm. You, you're not going to get that because they're just not those types of players on a regular basis he was having a good year he's playing some with some really good players and things were working out for him last year brian gibbons was beginning given some great opportunities in jersey at sometimes he was being put on the power play at, at some other times he was playing with taylor hall um at, at one point he was leading the new jersey devils in, in goal scoring he was just having one of those years and i don't think consistently he is that type of player i think it was worth the gamble to bring him in and see if maybe he was that type of guy on a regular basis. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, and now he's what uh, regressed to what he probably will be in a, in a regular fourth-line forward, uh, a grinding-type role, which is unfortunate because the Ducks really needed more from him. But uh, in, in terms of Gibbons, I don't think you're going to expect too much more. I don't think it's going to get any better for him. Kosla, I think it's a bit too early. He's only played a couple games for the Ducks this year. Um and he's not really been given the opportunity to do much anyway. He's centering the fourth line every time he's been up here, which is usually Gibbons and, and some uh, a myriad of other players, depending on who's up for the Ducks. Um, Walensky, again, I think we can expect what uh, – he, he kind of is what he is at this point, right? We're not going to expect too much more from him. I don't think he's going to become a top four defenseman. He is a, a six or a seven guy, similar to what uh, – Holzer has been for Anaheim. He's going to come up when guys get injured, but I don't think he's a regular NHL player. He makes too many mistakes. Uh, he doesn't do a whole lot offensively um, like he does in, down in the AHL where he quarterbacks the power play. So I, I don't expect too much more from him. Then the, the, the last one, Jakob Larson, for sure. I, I think things will start to get better for Jakob Larson once he gets some more confidence and gets gets some more games under his belt and I think he's started to look better than the first few games he had with the Ducks so I think if anything he's the guy to look for to maybe get an increased role and do a little bit better when Cam Fowler is out of the lineup yeah no I would agree man I think that uh, there's more to come from him um just give him time these are all young guys uh does want to go to we want to go to Facebook or we got more on Twitter no, we can go to Facebook, and I think we're done after that. We got a ton on Facebook, so be prepared for that. But first, I want to hit up uh, Matt Yakono in our chat here on Speaker. Says, "Is Carlisle's system stunting the young players like Terry Larson, etc.? Uh, I don't know about stunting, but it just doesn't. It's not. A, it's not a system built for the NHL anymore. Not today's game. I don't think it's really stunting yeah. them. Uh, I would feel more or less like." they would be improved if they were able to play a different game with a new coach. It's not going to get rid of any sort of talent they have, I feel like. No, but it, I think it's it's limiting the chances they have because the Ducks don't generate a lot of offense in that system that Randy Carlisle runs, and then you bring these guys up, and you know they're looking to gain confidence and get on the score sheet, and it's kind of hard to do that when that system already doesn't generate a lot of offense or doesn't give them a lot of opportunities to do that. Obviously, again, it, it is on the players to generate their own offense, of course. It's not just Randy Carlisle's system that's failing them, but when you're you're trying to play a way that maybe doesn't suit the style of play that uh, a guy like Troy Terry or Max Jones or Sam Steele or any of those guys who are down in San Diego right now doesn't suit the style of play that, that they're used to, then I think it's tough for them to succeed. No, I could see that. Uh, Joseph Holmes on Facebook says, I'm back and not on fire. Yay. I'm not sure what he's referring to. Maybe he was around one well, of the fires. Us. Yeah, he was. He, he, 
two shows ago he sent us some questions to ask just in case <laughs> oh okay so, he get evacuated that's yeah. terrible yeah um he wrote how long until you guys start doing these shows drunk it seems like a good idea at this point <laughs> well if jason was here he uh he would probably is on uh i don't know on his eighth ninth beer after watching that game no he was out playing games tonight i think he had his beer league games but uh he wrote hashtag higher Gromborg. so uh that's the the, the you know the all still alive the almighty the, signal for uh yeah. some forever mighty post game show fans that are uh hashtag in a way for us but uh we'll have we'll to talk with uh with ricard this friday i don't know if we're gonna ask him about this i think that's kind of inappropriate but uh so. no. <laughs> <Be> like, <laughs> maybe he knows if you searched our twitter maybe he'll bring it up if we're lucky uh benjamin russell on facebook says it was unlikely that we would have traded for nylander but now with cam out for what i can assume will only be long term is it even remotely possible and are there any defensemen available no i don't think it's possible uh, it's not i didn't possible think it was really that him. possible before but no uh, they're, they're just, like a huge package no there's other, other teams have better packages they could give up the only way I could see it happening, if, if the Ducks were the only Western Conference team that was submitting any kind of offer and the Leafs just didn't want to move him inside the, inside the conference, then maybe, maybe that would be the case. But I, I, the Kings are rumored to be involved in it. Um, so still, it was possible. It was slightly, yeah, somehow. I don't the know. Kings are it still was, involved in this right now. Like they have no they chance have of going anywhere. Salary. And, and again, oh. I think the the one thing you have to remember, and one of the reasons again why I think no matter no matter who's in the lineup for the Ducks, who's healthy, the reason I think they're not going to get this happen is is they can't afford him probably long term unless they move up to the salary. But they can't afford him this year either because his his salary cap gets inflated no matter what he signs because he's waited so long to sign in the regular season so far. We saw it with Hampus Lindholm when he took a while to sign his salary cap for the remaining part of the year was higher for this year because it took so long for him to sign because he waited until a few games into the regular season. Well, now we're looking to 20 games into the regular season. I think they were saying if Nylander signed at like six and a half, his cap hit would be somewhere near eight or, or more because it's in the uh, there's a penalty that gets applied to the cap hit when you sign in the middle of the season and you take so long. So, again, the Ducks can't afford that at all. I mean, no, they can't. They can't bring that much money on unless Corey Perry was done for the entire year. But we all know he's going to come back. And how are you supposed to supplement Nylander's eight million as well as Corey Perry's when he comes back in the lineup? Yeah, I don't see there being any chance of bringing Nylander here. It'd be nice, nice thought. It'd be but, great. Uh, when you're talking about defensemen available, I'm not really sure who they're looking at. Honestly, just probably somebody to stop that revolving door on the third pair. Uh, that's what I can imagine. I'm not really sure who I'd want there or how that would even work out. Do you out want for that? Do you want the Ducks to make a trade and, and move out assets to bring in a stopgap option? When no, they need a forward down there for sure. Right you, at this point, like the Ducks, you know, we they still want to compete, and I think the the window is is probably closed, or it's it. And if they're looking at it optimistically, it's it's closing this year and next year. If you if you're looking at it really really optimistically with with Cam uh, with Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry's contracts coming up, then that if you're considering that when the window closes, they've got a couple seasons to get this going and make another push. What what is bringing in an aging forward or, or you know rental at the deadline or bringing in a a Scott stopgap option for? Cam Fowler really do for this team if you're moving out picks or younger assets or uh, doing a one-for-one one type trade of a player you already have on the roster it's it's kind of pointless right now right the, we've kind of res- resigned ourselves to the fact that with Randy Carlisle behind the bench not, not much is going to get better for this team and, and you know unless it's a trade like we saw when the Ducks brought in Adam Henrique how that made them a lot better but they don't really have the assets to really make that type of trade again Unless you're doing a Jakob Silverberg swap for a top four defenseman, then maybe. But then the Ducks have struggled to score goals all season, and then right. you move out one of, the, one of their top six forwards, and maybe it makes the defense better. But then this team really can't score goals if you're moving out a guy like that. I agree. Uh, they, I would love to disagree with you on some things here, but uh, it's honestly there's there's not a lot you could do given the roster, um, the mix of youth and vets, and the giant contracts and you just have to start where the system is, right? And you got to get rid yeah. of the coach first and then look at the roster second. I feel like it's, we're at a point here, a breaking point with Randy Carlisle. That's the only person I kind of want to see off 
uh, the Ducks roster per se, even though he's not really on it. But uh, yeah. David David Rodriguez says uh, Pearson and Haglin were swapped as what are some are calling a change of scenery trade type. Uh, what player on the Ducks would you like to see or foresee possibly being traded for a change of scenery? This game absolutely blows. You know, <laughs> you know, what? not even really watching it at this point. And so that was mid show uh, or mid game. Um, we we kind of already hit on it a little bit, but I mean, honestly, it's going to have to be a change of scenery type move. Uh, Nick Ritchie uh, kind of stands out to me in that position, but I don't think they're going to move him. He's young and he's he's not he's not uh, denting the pocketbook enough uh, to cause a problem uh, for the Ducks. But uh, shoot, dude, you There's can't just not many movable pieces. No, you can't move team. the guys that need new scenery. <laughs> Well, yeah, and you, you can't move the big contracts. You, you really can't move Getzlaff, Perry, Kessler. I, I remember the, the funny thing going into the offseason, uh, the pundits and, and a lot of the, the analysts seemed to thought it was going to be not as difficult as the Ducks thought to move Corey Perry. Remember those conversations where they're like, well, don't count it out. It, it really isn't that difficult to move okay. Corey Perry. There are going to be guys who want him. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily true when you're looking at it's difficult to make a deal for a guy like William Nylander and bring him into the fold with cap situations. Why is anybody going to want to bring in Corey Perry, especially now after knee surgery, you have no idea what he's going to come back and be like, uh, but you can't move him. You can't move Getzlaff. You can't move Kessler. You're not going to move Adam Henry because you just brought him into the fold. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get anything for, for Patrick Eves. Uh, you're probably not going to move Andrew Cogliano because again, you're not going to get much for him. And Andre Cash is, is not a guy you would want to move, and especially Ricard Raquel is not a guy you would want to move. So who does that leave you with? Well, it, it leaves you with Jakob Silverberg. That's pretty much it. Yeah, he's the, only without a contract at this point too. And then and then Nick Ritchie. Is, is, but again, you're not going to get much for Nick Ritchie. And then if you look at the blue line, well, there's no point. In, you're not going to move Hampus Lindholm. That, that would be ridiculous. You, you're not going to move him. Uh, you're not going to move Cam Fowler, especially now with the injury. And the only other options you had were maybe moving uh, Brandon Montour or Josh Manson for a forward. But now with Cam Fowler's injury, that doesn't really happen anymore. So you're down to two guys who could realistically get moved off this team. And one of them, it makes sense to just wait to the deadline and Jakob Silverberg and and you'll probably get more for him. What kind of return do you think he's going to get? That's what uh, Matt in our chat wants to know. It, it the, the trade deadline is crazy because it all depends really on who's available, right? And and wh- how well Jakob Silverberg is played up until that point, or if he even if he goes on a hot streak leading up into the trade deadline, that will inflate his numbers. There's there's too many variables I think that plays into it. If he, you know, if he has thirty points at the deadline, that's a pretty good pace for him. He's probably going to finish around fifty, I would think, if if he's at there or if he's at thirty five, forty around that time. That would be a pretty good spot for him to be at where I think you can get a lot for him. I think even even if he's not doing as well as he did to start the season, he'll still fetch a pretty good prize. Mm-hmm. People know he can score. He has that ability. He's also very responsible in his own end, probably the Ducks' best defensive forward. And his cap hit currently isn't a lot, especially at the deadline. It, w- it will be almost nothing. It won't be a, a, a lot right. for teams to – there will be a lot of suitors who will be able to afford him and bring him in without breaking the bank. and. Then it really comes down to who else is available. If Artemi Panarin is the big name, well, you're going to get a lot of people going after him, right? And they're going to wait for that domino to fall. And then it all depends on who else is left. So if Jakob Silver is one of the best options available, the Ducks are going to get more for him than they thought. But if there's a couple other options, if teams make some guys available, I, and I haven't really looked at who who are UFAs this year, guys who could get moved, but I know there are some guys like Matt Duchesne's an option, Mark Stone's an option, there are some really good names out there who teams would probably rather acquire than Jakob Silverberg. And if that's the case, there are going to be less and less suitors as those players move on, and you might not get as much for him. No, that's true. Um, he's he's a great player. He's a, he's a really good role guy too, right? I mean, he's great on the penalty kill. He plays on the power play. He plays 5-on-5. Five five. He's super defensive when he needs to be, but he can also score. He's a good utility guy. Um Another question from Facebook. Going to skip over Jason's dumb question. Um, love you, Jason, but come on, man. Uh, Tom Walsh pointed out that uh, why are we falling all over the ice? That ice was awful tonight. Uh, that's something we, I didn't even want to. I didn't it's even the touch on the ceremonies, man. It's the pregame <laughs> ceremonies. Brutal. Even the knights were stumbling. But I saw the I saw like a dozen 
dozen players stumbled just trying to start skating. Um, that was rough. But uh, you can't say anything. The Ducks' ice has been bad at times. Whatever. As well. Don't talk about that. It's great ice. Best ice in the NHL. <laughs> uh, Dave Levy says, "How much longer until Bieksa walks back through these doors with a five-year contract?" <laughs> Not much longer, I guess, with Cam Fowler out, right? <laughs> no, the organization doesn't like BX anymore, from what we understand. So, probably not anytime soon. But uh, oh, it was Boschman then. <laughs> oh, maybe Bosch. They do like Bosch. Yeah. Um, and then, kind of like the last one, we've already a little bit, we've already touched on. Man, Drew McCool says, uh, "Will the injury to Cam be enough to give Bob an excuse to get rid of Randy?" Um, I think that actually is the opposite. I feel like any yeah. injuries you, you bring on this team, it just gives Randy more of leverage. Like, what am I supposed to do? I only have so many guys. I have all these rookies. So I don't think, I don't think it really goes in the favor of uh, us fans hoping for a new coach at this point. Yeah, I just wonder what the tipping point is and, and how how bad can it get for this team before they just have to decide or before Bob Murray right. decides like enough is enough. All right, well, hold on. I'll tell you. Let's go to NHL.com. Are you looking at their schedule? And we're going to go to the standings. And we're going to look at the Ducks, where they're at in the standings right now. So they should be below 500 right I now. I mean, they're, dude. They're 8, 9, and 3 now. They're two points out of a playoff spot. You really think they're going to fire yeah. their coach two points out of a playoff spot? That's just because the division is just a jumbled mess in the Pacific. Oh, right? it doesn't matter. They're they're not well, they're, they're, they're going to fire them if until they they're like 6, 8 points out. If they get significantly below 500... Then oh, that well, could be yeah. That's yeah. that's probably going to be the case, and, and they're they're facing murderers real right now. So yeah, and and they'll be able to you know you look at the next eight games is Toronto, Colorado, Vancouver, Edmonton, Nashville, Tampa Bay, Florida, and Carolina. Those are all difficult teams to play against, and you know they're going to have the occasional game like they did against Nashville where they look like a a competitive team, but most of the time and probably one out of every five games. They're going to have that moment, and then the other four, they're going to look awful. And mm-hmm. if you look at the the next eight games, there's probably going to be maybe one or two games, if that, where they look like they did against Nashville. The other ones, it's going to be like today against Vegas. And, and you're playing some teams. I mean, Toronto next, that's going to be really tough. It's it's at Honda Center. Which I hope they win. I'm going to be there. I hope they win. I'll be at the game. <laughs> Colorado, yeah, Colorado, you've got to go against uh, Ronson and Lance uh, Buck McKinnon, who lit up Boston today. 113 to points in 99 games for Ronson. What a beast. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a tough task. And then you got to go against Vancouver, who they've been slumping a bit lately. But Elias Pedersen, and if Brock Bester's back at that point, those are some tough guys to match up against. And Connor McDavid again right after that. And then you go on the road, and hey, we got to play Nashville again. Then we got to go down to Florida, back to back, Tampa and 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 the Panthers. And then you got to play Carolina, yeah, the the team that has just broke the record for the most shots on goal through the first eighteen games. That will be a fun one because the Ducks are at the complete opposite end of that. So, um, I don't know. It it it's tough. I don't know how it's going to go. Uh, I I said it was going to go awful, and then they played really well against Nashville, and then they looked awful today. But uh, Toronto is going to be a tough test. Oh, it's going to be brutal, uh, 100%. But uh, I think that is it for us. Somehow we managed to get to the magical marker of one hour, and we avoided talking about this game as every much time. as we possibly could. But uh, every time we hit about an hour. Thank you to everybody who uh, who tuned in tonight. I know it was a, it's, a, it's a tough time after the Ducks have a game like this and you want to go listen to people talk about it. But to everyone who joined the chats, whether it was on YouTube, or on speaker or left us a question on one of our social media profiles. Uh, we appreciate all the support. Um, if you haven't already gone to YouTube and subscribed to us and clicked the bell, that helps us out a lot. It seems like something stupid, but uh, we're trying to get our, our YouTube stream up and going. Um, if you can't tune into it, if, if you could just go onto your Gmail and go to YouTube and make sure you're signed in and click on it, it does help the show. So just a little thing you could do to help us out if you're a listener. Um, also Patreon subscribers. We appreciate you guys as well. We're working on getting those other shows out. Um, it'll be out shortly. The top 10 is going to be done this week for sure. So another one of those shows will be pumped out there. And, uh, I think I've covered everything. We have a great interview coming up on Friday morning with, uh, Ricard Gromberg, uh, team Sweden head coach has agreed to come on the show. So that's exciting. All of you hashtag, uh, <laughs> hire Gromberg people will be enjoying that one. But uh, did I miss anything, Eddie, or are we out? No, I think that's it. Um, oh, just one thing, an update for YouTube. Um, the, if you've been watching the YouTube streams, you've been a part of them. 
for the last, I think, two or three shows, we've been having some issues with uh, a bit of lag, and that's uh, an issue on my end for, for my computer. So I'm going to be getting that taken in, and we should have that fixed up hopefully by the beginning of next week. And last thing, Jason, if you're watching, or Dave Rodriguez, find me. I need to give you your prize for coming on the show and winning our question <laughs> or winning our quiz show. So come get your Paul Korea autograph, man. But uh, that's it, guys. We'll be talking to you guys Friday night after Toronto. Until then, have a great one. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.